Last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. I don't think we passed the hazing. You don't <laughs> think so, huh? And I pull out three huge <laughs> chunks of phlogisterite. <laughs> Excellent! Would you have any idea what this would be? It's the drift globe, I would say, but there's some sort of weird writing on it. And you see small Githyanki script. Ravenous, would you be able to read this? Or not? You see pinpricks of light coalesce a model of a solar system using illusory magic. And what is that? It means vault. <laughs> so this is a treasure map. Prepare for impact! The entire Voidfarer shudders. Debris fly into the air. You are certain one of these massive axe blades is carving the length of the ship. A bunch of the cargo, including the treasure, is now floating out into space. You see Yuri's shop obliterated. It's Yuri. He, he's hurt real bad, man. I'm, I'm sorry. He, he is with the Far Wanderer now. Today, our number is one fewer. Celestian, the Far Wanderer, tells us, there is nothing more virtuous than the journey. He urges us to leave behind what we know, what is familiar, and to strike out on a grand journey into the distant unknown. And what grander journey is there than the journey of one's life? It is the only journey all beings embark upon together, whether they like it or not. From birth to childhood, adolescence through adulthood, into venerability before the journey's eventual terminus in death, these are realms all things navigate. It is an undeniable and tragic truth that some journeys are shorter than others. Yet, what more distant unknown is there than one's death? We may journey crot space here aboard the Voidfarer, and it may be true that Yuri Monovic's journey with us has ended, but in a way, he has already journeyed further than any of us could ever fathom, experienced more than we can ever comprehend. As we mourn the end of Yuri's journey, we must also remember to rejoice for the start of his next one with the Far Wanderer. Orella finishes the funeral rites. The crew is all standing around on the deck. Yuri's body had been covered by a bit of sail. When Orella finishes her words, everybody watches on in silence as Brohane, accompanied with Ira, sends Yuri's body out into space. And everybody just watches as it drifts out until it is almost not noticeable anymore. A few moments pass and... Val is going to step up and say, All right. Um, while you're all here, the ship has taken some grievous damage. I've been told we're not able to get up to spell jamming speed. So until Brohane can make the repairs, we're stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. So sit tight. Uh, if Brohane or Laney ask for your help in repairs for any reason, follow their instructions. Um, until then, it is what it is. And she's going to head towards her quarters. And everyone around is going to disperse, talking quietly among themselves and kind of starting to go on to whatever 
business that they have now that you guys are stranded out in the middle of space. What is it that you guys want to do? Um, are we all sort of uh, the three of us in a group together? I'd imagine so. Yeah, being the we all joined at the same time, we're sort of a crew. Um, yeah. Hey, you got any? You got any family, Marco? Um, me? No, unfortunately. I mean, closest thing I had was maybe you know one friend on Toral, but that's about it. My parents Jesus. died when I was young. Christ, Ravnus. What about you? Probably. I I I, I don't even want to actually piece out what that means. <laughs> that's pretty serious. God, I'm really worried about you, Ravnus. <laughs> um. You think that guy did? That Yuri guy? I mean, none of us knew him real well. I, I wonder if anybody did. Who's to say? Isn't the crew the most important part? Oh, bullshit. Really? You feel real close to a uh, coot? Or uh, fucking, I don't know, Elwin? No, I, I mean, I do you? I don't know. I think that this is all very sentimental. I think that we're the people that help him survive, and that's equally important as sentiment. Did we really help him survive? Until he died, yes. <laughs> well, if, if that ain't the most utilitarian thing I ever heard, Ravnus. Uh, all right. I suppose that's true. We didn't help him do shit. I mean, I barely even knew the guy. I, mean, I, mean, I only I... talked to him the one day, you know, whenever we got our things. Me too. I mean, but, I mean, we we sure did help him die, didn't we? I, that, I, uh, that's hard to say. It's an... I mean, I don't know. I ain't never killed anybody before yesterday, Marco. Well, yeah, neither have I. And, uh, well, I can pretty much chalk about, what, two to six on my list? Jesus. It's, uh, yeah, it's something I've been thinking about very much. Did you get any sleep last night? Uh, a little. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it was particularly restful, but... Uh, I don't know about Yuri. It seems... It seems a false equivalent that we are responsible for his death. Well, of course not. We ain't responsible. I mean, Val's responsible, right? Getting us engaged in a fight that didn't have our name all over it? I mean, we're a group of ragtag nobodies. I mean, we got involved in a firefight and somebody died. I mean, that's just... Ugh. I mean, fair, but we can also ask the question of how many lives we saved by freeing that other ship. We didn't know those people, Marco. We knew Yuri. I mean, sure, we didn't know him too well, but but it could have been, you know, it could have been Jack or, or, or Scuttlebutt or anybody. I mean, and those are, yes, Ravenous people I suppose we do care about. It's just I feel like, I don't know, what 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 is she doing? I, I mean, granted, I, I don't know Val very well. But, good God, I, I don't know. It just seems seems like she's making hard choices that have effects on people's lives and not really thinking them through. Did you hear how, you know, she was just, it is what it is? That was her send-off at Yuri's funeral? I mean, sure, she was talking about the shit, but to have some sympathy. I, I have to admit that I don't share your um, your spirit and conviction on this one. However, I do agree that... I would like to talk to Val at some point and try to understand what her thought process was there in a more, more than a two-sentence sort of deal like we got before. Mm. I mean, Ravnus, you've been quiet. I, I don't, I don't know much about you know your your culture or or, or what your people think about death. What do you think? Is it just a, a stop, or you go to some you know eternal fighting grounds, or I don't know what what's your what's your purview? Mine. I think that it would upset you what we do when our crew members used to die. Ugh. <sighs> Talking to you is constant joy. <laughs> but I think it's a good way to die. If you have to die and death is so common on these sorts of things, you might as well die in battle. What? You think he was battling? You think he was doing anything other than cowering behind in his shop? He's a shopkeeper. He ain't no gunner. He ain't no surgeon. I mean, they have a place on the battlefield. He was just a a guy who sold us some armor once. Well, then you should have gotten out there and fought if he died anyway. Hmm. Yeah, well, I guess. 
you feel the same for uh for Riley and Adger or what different for teens? I think that they should be fighting too. Yes, I was younger than them when I was on a ship like this. All right, all right. Can't say I agree with that, but <laughs> at least you're consistent. <laughs> all right. Actually, at that point, someone approaches the the group, and you turn, and it is Ismini, and she says, "Mr. Astorio, can 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 I have a word?" Um, um, sure. Uh, yeah, Marco kind of looks back and forth to uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak, like, oh, and uh, he'll he'll start walking off with Ismini. Yeah, she's gonna say, uh, so uh, Riley and Edgar have told me a. A lot about you, um, how you're a, a powerful wizard and 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 all of that. Uh, I I mean, as you know, I'm an aspiring wizard myself. Uh, she kind of says as she kind of like pats her spell book that's <laughs> hanging from her belt. Um, and the the battle yesterday. Uh, well, they told me you were powerful, but. What you did with with the ice that well is many um it, like, that was amazing. Can you show me how to do that? Marco is like rubbing the back of his head like um like the way you used your magic to defend the ship and the crew it it was something like I've never seen before, and I would only ever aspire to be as powerful and be able to use my magic in, in, in such a way. Um, uh, is many, um, I, I think first off the, the, the fact that I'm a, a powerful wizard is a little overblown, but, um, I'm, uh, tell me what, what kind of spells do you know already? I see that you have your book. Um, so what have you been learning? Uh, she will open her book and she goes, well, I know, um, uh, mending and, Prestidigitation and Firebolt, uh, and I also know um, Burning Hands, uh, Disguise Self, and Shield. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're well, you're you're well taught. It seems like. Um, and where where did you where did you learn from? Did you learn from someone on the ship or on a, at a school? Oh no, I I attended. Uh, a school um it's well it's 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 not important but uh, i mean um, there isn't really anywhere to learn more stuff here on the ship salon is busy usually flying the ship and uh, and and to be honest he's a, a, a little intimidating um but you are seem powerful and i i mean i would love to you know anything i could learn i would be appreciative even if it's just you know of course and i mean stuff like i felt useless yesterday and i don't i don't want to feel like that i want to be useful i want to you know help protect the crew listen um ismini you're 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 not you're 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 most certainly useful. I mean, even from the fighting that you have here, it looks like you have plenty. Um, I'd be happy to teach you ice knife, but I I wouldn't let yesterday's performance be uh any sort of indicator of you know your worth. You're a very worthwhile person here. I mean, she blushes a little bit and she goes, "I'm you're you're too kind." But I mean, any 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 magic that um, you'd be willing to teach me, I'd be willing to learn. Well, of course. And um, how about we we start again then? Because I, I yeah, I wasn't really sure what uh what we were what was going on here. But um, <laughs> if that's the case, instead of being a a professor and a pupil, how about we are fellow scholars? And so we can help each other learn. Uh, she she thinks about that. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, I like that." Um, and um, Marco kind of extends a hand and is just like, "Sound good, fellow scholar." Sounds good, fellow scholar. And she takes it. Honestly, I'm just excited to have someone else that has any sort of, you know, knowledge to talk to between you and me. Not a 
a lot of the other crew isn't very bright. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but either way, let's uh, ice knife. So, uh, do you have an arcane focus, or or how do you use your magic? She shows that she has a spell component pouch. Hmm. Okay, so with ice knife, whenever you're using components, what you need is a drop of water or a piece of ice. Either one will do. Um, he reaches out for his water skin and pours out like a little drop of water. He looks to make sure there's nobody where he's about to throw this thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure that no one's going to be there. <laughs> right. You've had some really mean DMs in the past, haven't you, Tanner? I can tell. <laughs> You've been traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Nick to be like, and then you kill Coot. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for that since day one. <laughs> but yeah, just... <laughs> Looks around, chucks and hits Coot in the head. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you throw the knife, Coot walks up on the deck and he's like, Oh, it's good to feel the ocean breeze. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you could do but, that. Yeah. So you get a drop of water onto your hand. He's gonna get out his book and not so he's not using his arcane focus, get out his book, chant, use the uh, water, and then basically chuck it mm-hmm. and it turns into the ice knife and it shatters against the wall. Yeah, she's wide-eyed and and taking notes. It's an enthusiasm that you definitely can relate to. Yeah, and already Marco's just like, this is fantastic. And he's like, "What? (laughs) come on, Ismini, why why don't you give it a go? Let's see what happens. Um, okay. Uh, Now, hold on. He looks around. Make sure nobody's around before we try this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, give it a go. Okay. So yeah, she um kind of studying your spell book to make sure mm-hmm. she gets the somatic components down correctly. She holds the drop of water and releases it and the spell goes off. Excellent! Fantastic! That was excellent. Huh. That was awesome. Thank 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 you so much. Um I I I imagine uh would would I be able to to copy your your spell book? Oh, oh yeah. of course. <laughs> Um, and he just hands it over just excitedly. He's like, yes, of course, of course, please, by all means. Yeah, she's going to, like, take it excitedly and open her spell book and sit down cross-legged on the deck and just start copying. And you would know it's going to take, like, an hour to do that. Yeah. And... But she doesn't seem to care. She's just going to sit on the deck and start copying the spell. Um, Marco just, once again, rubs the back of his head, shrugs, <laughs> and sits down next to her. And he pulls out his uh, journal, starts uh, writing himself. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah, so while that's happening, Luckbeak and Ravnus, are you doing anything in particular while you watch Marco and Ismini talk wizard stuff? Um, I think that Ravnus is actually very uncomfortable by everything that's gone on today, so I don't think that she has anything in particular on her mind. She's probably, like, looking to see what Luckbeak's going to do. I think Luckbeak... Nick, which crew member did I share a drink with and they said they would brew me some fruit wine or something? That was Brohane. You imagine Brohane is going to be pretty busy right now, but you yeah. can still attempt to find him if you'd like. No, no, he's he's super busy because he's helping repair the ship, right? Yes. Well, he's not helping. He is. Yeah, he is. He's bi- he, he is, is repairing the <laughs> ship. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to Scriv. Sure. You guys are up on the quarterdeck. Uh, Scrib is down on the main deck over near the starboard side. And he's like leaning over the gunwale and is writing notes. And it actually looks like he is observing Brohane, who is on the back of Ira. Oh, boy. Which Ira is sticking to the side of the ship. while it looks like Brohane is surveying the damage and relaying up to Scrib, who is taking notes. So uh, I'm going to sidle up next to him and uh, I'm going to say... um... Hey, Scriv, how you doing, buddy? Um, what are you writing there, a new poem, or...? Hello, Luckbeak Humboldt. I am actually keeping notes for Mr. Windhelm. Mr. Windhelm is surveying the damage, and I am keeping detailed notes so that we can assess the best course of action for repairing the ship. I see. I'm gonna sneak a peek at his note. Like, how... Are they, like, bonkers detailed, or are they, like... Uh, no. It's basically like he's mostly keeping track of the materials that are going to be needed. Mm-hmm. And like you see like so much timber and like that sort of thing. Like it's not it's not complicated scrawlings. It's basically a list. Once I see that it's normal and not like, you know, bizarro, you know, because I still I think Luckbeak still feels weird about Scriv. Not that he doesn't like him, but like, is he human? <laughs> does he have a soul? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how does he yeah. how does he process things? 
Um, right. No, would... it's it's not a bunch of ones and zeros on the page. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Actually, though, at a glance, you do see there is one word that you weren't expecting to see on that page. Okay, which is? Cinder shard. I see. Well, now, Nick, you have forced my hand, <laughs> so I am going to subtly <laughs> try and figure out what it says about Cinder Shard. You can make a perception check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perception. Oh, seven. You're not sure because uh, Scriv hasn't really stopped. And it's actually really funny. Uh, he's talking to you, but he's writing something completely different while he's doing it because, you know, robot. But since he's continuing to, like, move and continuing to take notes, he kind of moves when you try to get a closer look and you can't you yeah. can't make out Boy. any details. You keep making me vacillate between weirdo and not weirdo for Scriv. So <laughs> he is using both halves of his robot brain right now. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say. Uh, 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 hey, Scrib, buddy. Um, can you give me some stats if I asked you for them? I mean, how quick could you get me stuff like that? I, I'm sorry. I don't believe I follow. Uh, I just want to know, like, well, the crew right now is about what? How many people are on this ship? There is currently 34. And how many people have come and gone? Do you know what I mean? Like, how many people have left the ship in some manner or another? Actually, the turnover rate is quite low. In fact, it has been quite several months before we've had anyone leave the crew for any reason. Today would be the first in a while. Scriv, how many people have died on this ship? In my time, there has been eight. How long has that been? Fifteen years. Hmm. Wow. So we just got lucky, huh? All right. Uh, that's interesting, Scriv. Uh... I will have to say that this sphere has proven to be particularly more dangerous than the past realms that we have navigated. Do you have any idea what makes it as such? I would imagine it is the complex political tension and the vying for certain resources, but I am not an expert in such things. Sure. Resources like, like Cindershard? Precisely. Hmm. I see. Does Val have some need for Cindershard? Well, it is of immense value, and it does have its uses. Again, I am not an expert in such things. No, I just, I thought she might have told you something, or I was just curious, you know, just kind of, you know, shooting the shit with you, Scriv. Why would one shoot <laughs> shit? Huh. You know, <laughs> never, never analyzed that turn of phrase before, Scriv. You're really painting a picture for me. I see why you are the, the ship's poet. Language is fascinating. Sure is, buddy. Uh, anyway, hey, th thanks for the numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, maybe get a drink. It is my pleasure, Luckbeak Humboldt. Enjoy your drink. Uh, okay, I'm gonna take my leave of him. Ravnus, were you gonna do anything while Luckbeak was over there with Scriv? Yeah, uh, since Luckbeak fucked off, uh, Ravnus <laughs> is going to go and she's going to find Coot, and um, she. <laughs> Gosh, how do I describe this? She is going to go and, like, find whatever he's doing and just sort of watch him. Sure. <laughs> he survived on this ship so long, he's got to be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where is um, he and what is he doing? Yeah. Coot is in the galley, and it would look like he's in the process of preparing, like, the midday meal of the crew. There isn't a lot of space in there, but you can always, like, lean in against the doorframe if you'd like. Yeah, I think that that's what she's going to do. The galley is probably only about, like, 10 feet in any direction. And with between, like, the counters and cabinets and, and everything, Scoot takes up basically all of the available space in the middle. So he's basically just rotating around him while he works. You just kind of lean against the, the doorframe there, and Coot has not even noticed you. He's just, <laughs> as he pulls different ingredients out of their storage and puts them on a pan and, you know, is cooking stuff up and spicing things and generally just doing his cooking thing. You do notice that he's pulling spice from a purple pouch that's on his belt and using that a lot. God only knows what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the secret ingredient, crystal meth. <laughs> 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 Gotta keep the crew spry. <laughs> like, you know, like 50 years ago, this was basil or something, and now it's just, it's just dust. <laughs> <laughs> now, you would know being on the ship this long that Coot's cooking actually tastes very good, surprisingly. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
gosh, this is combining like all of Ravnus's favorite things. Um, <laughs> so she's going to watch him probably for like the viewer at home's reference, like probably like too long, like a weird amount of time, like, you know, five to 10 minutes. And then she's just going to sort of out loud ask, how old are you? Coot startles because he hadn't noticed you were there. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. How how old am I? I am. Hmm. And he furrows his brow and like thinks for a moment and goes, at least 120. She is going to go in, even though it's very crowded, and just like look at his face like very closely. Yeah, you do that, and his eyes are super cataract over. It's almost a wonder how he can see anything that he's doing. And he only seems to realize you're doing that when you get to a certain distance, and his head kind of contracts slightly, turtle-like. Oh, <laughs> why? He's so cute. As he's, like, not quite sure what you're doing, he goes, Oh, hello there. Oh. And he blinks at you, and you just see these big gray cataract-filled eyes. She kind of like, oh gosh, I've been watching so many like exotic animal veterinary shows lately <laughs> that I can see that so clearly, but she's going to look at him very closely and just be like, does that happen to everyone's eyes when they get old? Um, I suppose my eyesight isn't what it used to be. My hearing isn't what it used to be either, but my sense of smell is never better. I have a mind like a steel trap, too. <laughs> it served me well sailing at sea. I, I don't quite know what sea we're on, but it's one of the smoothest I've ever sailed. He's so cute. <laughs> so not everything fades? I suppose it depends on who you are. How have you survived so long, being a pirate? Um... I'm not really sure. Keep to myself. Keep to my galley. And should any danger arise? And he kind of pats his shell. (laughs) And you can actually see that his shell is gnarled and knotted and stuff. But you can see that there are a couple like, you know, sword scrapes on it every now and again. Um, Ravnus is my sweet baby. She's just going to be really weird and just kind of like kind of like with her fingertips very lightly just like feel his like face from like his forehead down to his chin like along the side of his face because i assume it's like very wrinkly and weird looking yes it is all right he's a wrinkly old turtle (laughs) all right i'm sorry i'm sorry ravness is so weird but this is what she's telling me she wants to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's he's confused but he doesn't stop you um okay so she is satisfied now so what she is going to do is uh she is going to see whatever food is on the counter by her that she can just scoop up in her hand and Mm -hmm. she takes it and she leaves and she eats Mm -hmm. it and she's (laughs) she's gonna go fuck off too now Got it. So it almost looks like a bird. It's like a small, like, cooked pheasant or or something like it's It's smaller than a chicken, um, but it is, like, you know, roasted and spiced and stuff. Oh, man. Now I feel like an asshole. I thought it was going to be, like, just an apple or something. <laughs> no, but he seems to be prepping, like, a bunch of those. Okay, well, she's just going to take one of them then. Yeah, you do that. And he goes, okay, goodbye. And uh, she goes back up on deck and looks for her friends, Marco and Luckbeak, eating her little bird. What a strange elf. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to give the elves a bad reputation. (laughs) You turn and you leave and you actually almost run into Orella, who has what looks like a large star chart under her arm. And she is going into the room that is right next to the galley. And she goes, oh, um, excuse me. And she's going to go into her room, but she leaves the door open. 
And you can see that inside of her room is, it's actually like covered in star charts. Despite her not being the navigator, like there's star charts out on the walls and around. And there's actually shawls that are hanging in this black cloth that tapers to like a purple. And you can see on the wall is the black circular disc with seven silver stars on it, which you know is the holy symbol of Celestian. She has a smaller one around her neck. And you catch the very pungent smell of like incense coming from the room. And she sits down at a desk and lays out the star chart in front of her. Um, With a name like Celestian, I can probably like deduce that this is something like religious yeah okay you're familiar with celestian because it's a common deity worshipped in wild space and you just know that they are basically like the patron god of spacefarers okay like you're you're proficient with navigators tools right uh, i should be yeah the markings and stuff that arella has on her star charts are nonsensical to you they're like sheer lunacy like they're like measuring angles that don't make any sense and curvatures between stars and celestial bodies and and other strange things like the highlighting of like certain like constellations and and stuff like that and it seems precisely calculated but it's not like any sort of like navigational like calculations that you're familiar with it's super weird to you Okay, that is definitely going to catch her interest, and she is just going to walk into the room to take a look at everything closer. Mm -hmm. And uh, she just sort of announces, like, you did this all wrong. Arella, who walked into the room and sat down and laid everything out, wasn't even paying much attention, had not realized that you did not continue along your way and had followed her in. So when you... This poor woman eating a rotisserie chicken in her room now. <laughs> yeah, she goes, oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what did, what did you say? And then she points to the, the weird calculations and, and stuff like that. And she goes, these are wrong. Oh, 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 I, un- I understand. Um... You are familiar with navigation, I assume. Um, Celestian tells us that the stars can be a guide, but not in the same sense that a navigator would use them. Um, I look to the stars for correlations and signs and omens of weal and woe and any sort of messages that Celestian, the far wanderer, is sending me about where we should go. Or what we should do. Or what is happening in the sphere. I am still very much in the process of figuring out the star charts of Kratzbase. So, as of yet, Celestian's message is still not clear. Did it say anything about Yuri? Yeah, you could see that. I mean, Arella is like obviously like nervous in your presence as she usually is. But she seems to be doing her best to work through that and she says i'm afraid it doesn't always work that way um things are really as clear as the fate of any one person um it is more signs and omens to general outcomes and as i said we still are not entirely familiar with the stars of this sphere and until we do i'm afraid celestians guidance will continue to be cloudy what does celestian say happens when you die well as you heard me say earlier um when you die you join celestian in the astral realm you join him among the stars and it is very much just the beginning of another great journey across the cosmos hmm you don't seem convinced. Uh, she shrugs. I was mostly asking for Luckbeak and Marco. I guess that they liked him a lot. They're both very sad. I, I understand. If they need anything or if they need someone to talk to, you can tell them I am always available. All right. I don't think that they like talking to me very much about it, so I'll send them to you. She can't stop herself from like giggling slightly (laughs) and she says um very well sure and then ravnus is going to take a look at everything again and then (laughs) go back with her rotisserie chicken up (laughs) to the deck to find her friends 
<laughs> Sounds good. All right. So after you're talking to Scriv Luckbeak, was there anything? What do you think you were going to be doing? Um, really, I would probably go down to the uh, the mess hall and just grab some fruit. Got it. Yeah, you do that. You go into the mess. You probably pass Ravnus. Right. Or honestly, even worse, walk past when she's in with Coot, just like touching his face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I like that better. Yeah. As, you, as you're going to the mess, you walk by the galley and look in there and Ravnus is just like touching Coot's face. <laughs> I resolve to come back in five minutes and make no noise. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's a couple of the crew in here. You see Marilyn, Melinda are in here. Scuttlebutt is in here. Uh, Jack and Odyssey are in here too. Okay. Uh, is there a, is there a grab and go section or is it just for like meals? You know what I mean? I just want some fruit. Yeah, there's readily available fruit. Okay. You can grab. Cool. I mean, everyone in here kind of has a tankard of ale in front of them. Sure. And they seem to be, their goal is to process what has happened yeah okay uh then i'll i'll uh grab a bunch of grapes and sit down with them i suppose sure yeah melinda kind of sees you and kind of gestures for you to sit at the table across from her and her brother ah luck me how are you faring fine i guess i mean i didn't i didn't know him real well worried more than more than sad i guess go catch me up are we talking about yuri or we we getting our mind off things a little bit of column a a little bit of column b all right. Um, she gestures to her tankard. I suppose this is to get our mind off things, but eh, talk of Yuri is inevitable, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Tell me something about him. Well, uh, he was uh, honestly uh, only with us uh, a couple years. Um, I mean, there's a lot of the crew that have only been with us a couple years, but Yuri uh, took over for the last person a couple years ago. Um when they retired and nah, uh, don't tell me something fun about him. I don't care about all that. <laughs> uh, she, she laughs and takes a swig of her ale and she goes, um, well, he was a fucking shark at spacers gambit. There we go. Now that's great. Well, how much did he shark off you? Uh, well, I only made the mistake once, but he got away with 30 sons holy shit i'm surprised he didn't join in that game that we just played well i suppose he would have been quite interested in your regular meetings uh if he well i i guess it's not worth talking about now now see what we do we just loop right back around <laughs> all right spacer's gambit he would have enjoyed it uh what did, i mean is it was he a cheater is that how he got through <laughs> honestly i don't really know i've never caught him cheating damn man I wish I would have been able to play a game with him because I'll tell you, I got an eye for that. I mean, it takes one to know one. I'm not saying I cheat, but, you know, I, I've, been, I've been known to in the past. I mean. Uh, Meryl is going to speak up and goes, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone who says they're not one to cheat is usually the ones that cheat. Now, yeah. All right. That's 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, there's no reason I would be proclaiming my innocence if I didn't have some guilt on my brain now. <laughs> you got me there. All right. He sharked you too, then, uh, I suppose. Yes, yes. My bitch of a sister didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Melinda laughs and takes a big hearty swig. You kind of see out of the corner of your eye, uh, Scuttlebutt raises his tankard and opens his beak and makes the sound of, like, money clinking. Mm. <laughs> Melinda will raise her tankard as well and goes, yes, Scuttlebutt, to Yuri. To Yuri. After the toast gets settled down, I want to turn to uh, to, to Meryl and say, like, hey, Coot's old, even in, like, Tortle years, right? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Um, I mean, Tortles don't age gracefully, but, yeah, he's he's definitely probably far older than your average Tortle. Because there's, there's, like, there's no chance he and Ravenous are having an affair, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought Ravenous is a grave robber? <laughs> Meryl looks confused. Melinda spits her <laughs> ale. <laughs> hey, everyone. Nick here. Your murdering psychopath. Wait, who changed my notes?
Anyway, thanks for listening. This is Chapter 2, Episode 3 of Tales of the Voidfarer, and shit is definitely starting to get a little heavy. If you're liking what you're hearing, you should follow us on our media of socialness, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Let us know who your favorite NPC is, and why is it Scriv? Once again, special thanks to our producer Tom Goldthwaite for our theme song and other original music. Additional music provided by purple-planet.com. If you want more podcast goodness from us here at Project Derailed, check out Fiona and Tom's show Big Streaming Pile, where they discuss the best bad movies streaming services have to offer. Their first three episodes are up now, and another four are on the way in the coming weeks, discussing Secret Obsession, Friend Request, B-Movie, and The Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, before Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, the next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will be airing on Christmas Eve, Tuesday, December 24th, 2019. Now time to get back to more saucy details of Ravnus's affair with Coot. So, Marco. Yes. So you're you're sitting on the deck with Ismini, and she's just about done copying your spell into her spell book excitedly. And while she's doing it, she's talking constantly. Excited nerd wizard talk. Mm-hmm. You know you mean about all it. wizard talk. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, mile a minute. And you definitely see that her enthusiasm is something that you can definitely relate to, Marco. But as she's finishing that up, uh, you're actually approached by Lainey who you've probably only met in passing, but you, you know that she's the halfling carpenter who works under Brohane, the bosun. And she says, um, Marco, yeah? when you get an opportunity, Val wants you to um, fetch Ravnus and uh, Luckbeak and um, see her in her quarters. Oh, of course. Um, thanks, Lainey, right? Lainey, yes. Sorry, I'm still, you know, I'm new here. I'm still trying to get to know people, but uh, uh, thank totally you. Totally understandable. Um, my, my pleasure. Um, hey, Ismini, are you gonna, are you gonna be done anytime soon? Uh, yeah, yes, yes, uh, almost done, almost done. Uh, just the finaling touches, uh, she says, like, holding her tongue (laughs) just the right way, and there. And she kind of holds it up excitingly, as if she wants you to check her work, but at the same time more of just, like, with the enthusiasm of, look at my drawing, (laughs) as she turns her Um, book around. Yeah, Marco, if Marco's heart wasn't, like... If there was any ice in Marco's heart, which there isn't, it would have melted. Um, Marco just gives a big smile. He takes it. He's just like, this is phenomenal. I mean, I have to say, like, at your age, I was barely able to uh, pass for penmanship. And this is this is phenomenal. She turns a solid shade of red. You Listen, you are an absolute prodigy. She turns a deeper shade of red. <laughs> Um, I gotta go and find Luck, Beacon, Ravnus and get to Val, but um, we'll keep working together, okay? Yes, I, I, I look forward to that. Uh, and she goes, uh, I should go find Riley and Kale. Hopefully they're not making out again. And she runs away. Wait, a what? <laughs> <laughs> if Marco's kind of standing there, like, st- stunned for a second. He's just... Um, whatever, they're kids. <laughs> I don't don't have time to unpack that right now, Marco says to himself. <laughs> so yeah, he's going to start, uh, I guess, combing the ship, because at first he looks back and be like, oh, they're right over, and they are no. gone. No, yeah. <laughs> so you actually find Ravnus pretty quickly, because she's coming out from below the, the quarter deck onto the main deck. So. Oh, hey, Rav- Ravnus. Oh, um, where did you get a chicken? The kitchen. Coot gave it to me. Uh, okay, then. Um... Do you know where Luckbeak ran off to? I was looking for him. Oh, well, I guess we need to find him together. Uh, Val wants to talk to us, so... Do you, where where would he go? I mean, well, there's only so many places. Yeah, Ravnus, you wouldn't have noticed him, like, go past yeah. you. Like, he's not far away. He's in the mess. <laughs> but yeah, it won't take you long to find him. But before we get to that, I want to jump back to Luckbeak. Mm. So you guys are sitting in the mess, continuing to talk for a little bit longer. Odyssey, Scuttlebutt, and Jack get up and eventually leave. And when they do, Melinda kind of watches them exit and she goes, actually, well, we have a moment, just the three of us. Um, I There was something I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure, well, we know how you feel at the moment regarding current leadership things. Um. 
you're not the only one. A lot of the crew are concerned. And we were kind of thinking that maybe tonight, um, down on the lower deck, we could have a little meeting of those that might have, you know, similar concerns to talk about Val's leadership. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing too crazy. You're but... playing an insert, an insert. <laughs> you no. you starting a union. No, no, I, more like that. We're not. <laughs> well, it's... I wish you would have told me that before I had one foot in the grapevine. Because you're, you're just... <laughs> wait, you haven't been drinking anything. Yeah, I've been eating grapes, Melinda. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. The... She she looks confused and Meryl goes, oh, 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 oh I heard about this. Uh, do, do, uh, do, uh, don't get drunk on alcohol. They get drunk on sugar. And Melinda goes, oh, okay, yeah, you're shit-faced. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I can still talk. I just, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be quiet, too. It's going to be fine. Yeah, on the deck. She, the she poop deck. <laughs> no, below deck. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Tonight. So, when you are sober, if there's anyone else that you think might be interested in a conversation, again, nothing drastic. We're not talking about. Mm-hmm. But just a, just a, a fascist. I said insurrection. Just, I knew it wasn't insurrection. I just couldn't remember mutiny. <laughs> Sorry, just, go ahead. Don't. It's not a look. I'm I'm serious. It's not that. We just want to talk about things, and then if we need to go to Val and say, "Look, we have concerns. We can do that to, uh, together as one." You know. Anyway, Hell if yes. there's anyone else that you think would be interested in that kind of conversation. Yeah. Let them know and we we can talk about it tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going I'll be there. Sounds good. Um and then and then she says and be careful who you talk to about I wouldn't want them getting the wrong idea and jumping to wild. No, of course leader. not. Now, but here's the thing is that that conversation had some element of finality to it. Are you leaving? Am I leaving? Did I say I was no. leaving? Okay, so we can all just keep, okay. All right. I was taking the opportunity when they left before and, and to, to bring it up before anyone else. I walked forgot in. they were here. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to, to luck me, that conversation just got serious and came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you see Melinda look at Meryl like an expression that says, "We've made a terrible mistake." <laughs> Ravnus and Marco. You eventually make your way to the mess. Uh, you pass Odyssey Jack and Scuttlebutt on the way out as the tiefling cat person and crow person <laughs> file past. And you find Luckbeak three sheets to the wind with the halfling siblings in the mess. Uh, yeah, Luckbeak, you see Marco and Ravnus walk in. Okay. Hey! Hey, Luckbeak. Oh, um, who gave, uh, who, oh, are, have you been hitting the bottle? Hmm? No. <laughs> yeah. He looks over at Ravnus. Um, what the hell's going on here? She shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Looks back to the halfling. It's for Yuri. Get a, a tankard. Uh, Luckbeak, um, mm. Val would like to see us. The three of oh, us. Val. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, when you go, Melinda's gonna, like, make eye contact with you and make a face that says, basically, the conversation we had, we didn't have. Ah. I interpret that face as ask Val to come to our meeting. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, you head up to Val's quarters, which none of you have been inside. You know her quarters are the entrance is onto the quarter deck, and it is the very top cabin on the very aft of the ship. So it is below the poop deck where the ballista is mounted and you go there and there's the big double doors and you open it and you see Val is sitting there in a chair around the table, kind of leaning backwards. And she has the drift globe floating in front of her and it is projecting the, it is projecting the projection of crotch space all throughout the room. And when you walk in, uh, you see that Brohane and uh, Mr. Elmsworth are there as well. And when you walk in, she reaches up and grabs the, the orb and sets it down on the table as the projection disappears. Ah, yes. We're just waiting for the rest of the officers to arrive. We have some things to discuss. Um, we're bringing you into it because you're the only other ones that know that this exists. And she gestures towards the Drift Globe. Okay. And she says that she takes a drink out of a bottle and sits it down. She doesn't look drunk, but she's definitely been drinking. 
a moment passes and Brohane enters along with Scriv and Salan. And then finally Roxana enters and she kind of has to duck to get under the doorframe, you know, with her just big Goliath height. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I think that's everyone then. First and foremost, uh, Brohane, what's the situation look like? And Brohane goes, well, uh, it's pretty significant damage. Uh, The structural integrity is at the very least sound enough, but many of the arcane conduits are severed. We would need to repair those before we can get up the spell jamming speed. If at the very least we can repair that, uh, we'll be fine. So long as uh, we make sure nothing down on the Orlap deck is loose that could fly out to space. Because it's still going to be all open down there uh, until we can get all the way back to Nadir Anchorage. And she goes, okay, um, well, how long is that going to take? And she goes, well, uh, to patch up the... Structural parts that need reinforced, not very long. Uh, Lainey can help me out with that. The harder part is the conduit. Uh, the archaic uh, advanced design of the Voidfarer, um, we're still understanding it. And I don't have spare cinder shard laying around. So I'm going to have to trial and error, take some other cinder shard from other places of the ship and see if I can patch it in where we need it to and hope that doesn't break anything else in the process. Hmm. Uh, without more Cinder Shard, we're looking at probably five, six days. And Val nods and goes, okay, we should be fine on supplies then. Um, we have enough for a couple weeks at least. Well, when we get things up and running again, we could go back to Nadir Anchorage. But the problem is, is given that the score we just got has, for the most part, been lost. We won't be able to repair the ship pay the crew, and resupply. We wouldn't be able to do all three of those things. We would, at the best, be able to do just one. Alternatively, and she grabs the drift globe and releases it, and the projection extends into the room again. Alternatively, we can attempt to go for this vault, she says, and points to the labeled point that Ravnus pointed out. Mm. We should be fine so long as we don't get in another ship-to-ship skirmish, and if it's as promising as it sounds... We can get back to Nadir Anchorage, and be, everyone will be happy again. So, Marco, like, tentatively raises his hand. Is like, is this is this how you uh, ask questions? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the protocol here is. Well, there isn't really one, but uh, if you have a question, you can ask it. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, let's say, just for hypothetical sake, that we get there and whatever's there is gone. What is our situation then? We're not any worse off than we are now. We have enough supplies to get there and get back to Nadir Anchorage. It's going to be tight, but we we can do it. So So if we go there and there's nothing there, then we go back to Nadir Anchorage and we deal with we deal with the situation as it is now. We can get the ship repaired and hopefully this crew understands that we're going to need another score. Uh so the risk is inherently limited. Yes. The bigger issue is is Finding a way to resupply, you know, food and water stores at Deer Anchorage and repair the ship. Mr. Elmsworth is going to say, And what about our air situation? Would we be able to make it to this vault and get back to Nadir Anchorage? It looks like it. We can dip within the atmosphere of this planetoid. And she points to one of the, the orbs. It looks like it's a moon of a nearby planet. To resupply our air. And then that'll get us to the vault. And then we should be fine with our current crew all the way back to Nadir Anchorage. And all of the officers seem to nod like that makes sense. Um, that works well with them. And Brohane's going to say, well, we'll still have to wait uh, until the ship's repaired before we can go anywhere. We can navigate slightly, but only at tactical speed. If we can't get up to spell jamming speed, we're not going to get to any destination any faster than months. And we don't have the supplies for that. So, assuming we have five days of repairs, the travel to this vault, and the travel back to Nidir Anchorage, our supplies are sound for that. And Val says, they should be. We may have to ration things out towards the end, but I'm comfortable with that margin of error. And you can see that Scriv is taking notes the whole time. You can definitely get the impression that he's not here to contribute as much as he is to just keep minutes of the meeting. And Val's going to turn to you three and go, 
What do you three think? Ravnus, you seem to be the most familiar with what we might find at this vault. And... So what does Ravnus think? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, with, basic... with knowing what she knows, like, what does she think? Yeah. Basically, um, basically, like what we said before, should the vault be inhabited by Githyanki, it'd probably be pretty bad. But you find it unlikely to be the case because this vault is obviously from like the Cretorian age. So that was like 10,000 years ago. So you think that's unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely. But you think it, the chances are that if you can get there and if it timed out right where there happened to be stuff in the vault whenever this calamity that happened across all of Krat space happened 10,000 years ago, the chances of it being quite a profitable haul are very good. Okay. So she'll say, I think it's likely that it's unoccupied and that it'll bring a lot of earnings. My biggest concern would be that things would start to take too long and your crew will starve and it'll all be for nothing. Well... Like I said, even if the vault is empty, we still have the supplies to get back to Nadir Anchorage. And then we can deal with the shortage of funds there. We can figure out what's the highest priority, if it's supplying the ship or repairing it, and make that assessment there. Worst case scenario, we buy the supplies we need to pay and feed our crew, and we do jobs around Nadir Anchorage until we can raise enough money to repair the ship. It'd be a pain in the ass. The ship would be in port for a while, but that's maybe not the worst case scenario, but one of them, which isn't too bad. The bigger risk we take is if we get stuck in a fight between now and then, well, the ship's already damaged. Well, um, I like this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's see what happens. Val nod satisfied with that. And you can see that, like, even while, like, Mr. Elmsworth, who wasn't happy with Val with the current situation, seems to nod, and the rest of the, the officers definitely weighing the options coming out on Val's side of this as well. Val's going to look at you, Luckbeak, and goes, Luckbeak, I know you're not happy with me, but I am still interested in your opinion. All right. Who am I? Hello. Uh, oh, uh, hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> I was scream. <laughs> Did you hear it? I don't get it. Well, I guess you wouldn't. <laughs> oh. It's just, a, I took a mug. What are we talking about? Oh, I got it. <laughs> Val's going to shake her head. <laughs> never mind, never mind. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I caught most of it. Val, you're coming in with us? Yes. All right. All right, well, then I'm up for it. I'm happy to hear that. And for what it's worth of the people in this room and by extension, the rest of the crew, I'm sorry what happened. But the best course of action I see is to just move forward. Hey, Val. Yes. What was something Yuri was really good at? Well, he was uh, an expert in his craft. He could identify no, any magic item fun. placed in front of him. Something fun. Well, I've heard he's quite good at cards. He's uh, hmm. He had some pretty, pretty solid jokes, but you had to wade through a lot of a lot of bad ones to get there. All right. All right. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Why do you ask? Well, because the crew told me he was good at cards. And I mean, if if you knew that, that means you may have cared about him as a person. Well, I mean, I was just seeing I... how much you saw him as an object and how much you saw him as a human being. Well, not a... Well, yeah, wait. Hold on. Human being. I forgot. <laughs> a vaguely humanoid person. A vaguely person. humanoid person. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you just told me he was good at what he did, then I would have known that you just saw him as a resource. But, I mean, you said he was good at cards. That's the magic word, Val. That's heartbreaking. I see. I see. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I think we've come to the decision. Uh, she turns to the rest of the officers. If everyone's in agreement, we'll set a course. And Johannes nods. Uh, Johannes is there, too, by the way. I forgot one. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a navigator. He's an officer. Uh, he nods and goes... I'll start plotting a course right away. We'll be able to start moving as soon as the ship is repaired. And she goes, then I think this meeting is, this meeting is concluded. They all nod and they begin filing out. And then she goes, Luckbeak and Marco and Ravenous, if you wanted to stay too, if you don't mind staying back. All right, what for? Um, sure. The others file out and she goes, take a seat. 
Uh, and she gestures to a few of the empty chairs that are sitting around the table here. You can see that this is Val's personal quarters. There's a bed in the corner. There's a large wardrobe in here. There's windows that wrap all the way around, looking out into the void of space, and you see the twinkling stars out in the distance. And you're sitting around a table that serves as a personal, like, charting table or, you know, whatever planning or war room table when it needs to be. And she'll actually reach to a cabinet behind her and pull out some glasses and pull out what looks like a bottle of whiskey. And she's going to pour one for each of you. Luckby, she goes to pour it and stops. It's fine. She goes, ah, hold on. I'll still do a show. And she reaches and she'll grab a bright green apple and she'll toss it to there you. There you go. Okay. <laughs> she could have just made him an old fashioned, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. Yeah, mimosas are our common <laughs> ground, I think. Don't worry, delicacy. So she says, Luckbeak, I wanted to say thank you. Um, because... I think you just now validated one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you aboard this crew. What's that? Because I think you have a head for what matters. And we may disagree, especially in the current situation, but at the end of the day, what matters is the people of this crew. They are people, and I am aware of that. And the fact that you had the, the head to ask to make sure, well... I think that tells me that you're exactly the kind of person we need on this crew. <laughs> I know I don't always show it. You know, the Voidfarer is a ship, but beyond that, it is a crew. Okay. You know, I first learned that from my dad when he was captain. She says that she takes takes a drink of her whiskey. What'd, you, what'd your dad do? Why did, why'd he stop being captain? <sighs> I don't. Forget about it. It's it's a long story. All right. Maybe someday I'll share it. Okay. But you know why I recruited you three myself? Why why they're murmuring among the crew that you the three newest crew members of the ship are already my favorites? Well, it's because when my father was the captain, I did your job. All right. Well, we're all different jobs. So what does that mean? Yeah, day to day. Mm. But when it comes to going into a situation, going into the unknown, scouting for salvage, basically being the all-purpose go-to operatives aboard, that's why I brought you on, because that's what I did. And that's why I wanted to recruit whoever it was that I recruited myself, personally. wanted to see what they could do. When you were in the hold of that hammer ship those weeks ago, on the way to Crot Space, dealing with the situation with that idiot paladin and the ogre and everything, well, I saw in all of you the exact things that I wanted to see of the people I recruited to this position on this crew. All right. I don't I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. She takes another shot. Uh, but Cheers. <laughs> yeah. I... I... The people of this crew are what matters. And I don't know if I will ever forgive myself for what happened to Yuri. So whether you or the rest of the crew forgive me is really irrelevant. I hope that you do. But I may not forgive myself, so in the end it doesn't really matter. Well, we don't know each other real well. I mean, we barely know each other at all. But... As far as I'm concerned, you didn't mean to get Yuri killed. I don't mean he didn't get killed. Just means you didn't mean it. And the way you're acting now, I I believe that. So so as far as you and me, we're at net zero right now. Right? I mean, and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're coming with us tomorrow is going to mean a lot. But, you know, the same way that we're proving ourselves to you, you can prove ourselves yourself to us. I understand. But at the same time, I don't want you to misunderstand me. For a lot of the same reasons I care for this crew, or the same reasons that I did what I did yesterday. And despite the outcome, had I been in the situation again with the information I had, I would still make the same decision. You don't have to agree with me. And I have my reasons. Now, why you gotta say something stupid and screw it all up, huh? 
<laughs> and then I'm going to put my apple down and go back to my room. She shrugs and finishes her whiskey. And she goes, well, turning to you, Marco and Ravnus, do you have anything to add? Uh, Marco's just kind of sitting there uh, staring blankly at the moment. Ravnus? I don't think so. This is all so new to me, so sometimes I'm not really sure how to react. So Understood. Val, you, you, you seem like you care, and you seem like a good captain, so you have my support. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, we have things we have to prepare. If you have a problem with the way that I am doing things, please... Come talk to me and tell Luckbeak the same. I'm prepared to stand by any decision that I make, and if you have a problem with that, I would rather talk about it than the alternative, I suppose. Well, um, cheers. Cheers. To my captain. <laughs> to my crew. And Marco will finish his, struggling a little bit as it goes down. Ravnus does the same, but she tosses it back like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Scholar. <laughs> Luckbeak, you left. It's getting pretty late in the evening now. Were you going to do anything? Uh, I'm going to um, leave. Uh, I'm going to wrap up two chunks of phlogisterite and leave it outside of uh, Broheim's room. Okay. And uh, you know the information that Melinda told you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go meet them tonight. Got it. Sounds good. projectderailed.com